Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Well, over the last few weeks, we have been <clears throat> in a series, and I'm going to wrap it up this morning. But I've been saying this to you and over you for the last few weeks, so um, all you got to do is just receive this if you haven't been able to be with us for the last few weeks. Um, but I have said this to you, that God's about to do something unprecedented in you and for you and through you. It's going to be so awesome that your enemies, your opposition, and your critics will be amazed. Even if it seems like you're outnumbered, outmatched, <clears throat> or outmanned, I declare it's just a setup so God could show up and God could show off in, in your life. <clears throat> and so that's, that's something to be excited about, but it's something that you need to be prepared for, that uh, de- declaring that to you and you embracing that and you getting excited about that um, also means that you should be prepared. Because when there is a declaration like that or God's about to do something, that means there's going to be a monumental showdown between you, your enemy, and your God. And so over these few weeks, that's, that's what we've been talking about. And we've called this series Prophets, Punks, and Predicaments. And so over the last few weeks, we, we took a look at the problem with prophets. And we said this, that... Um, you don't need to give the devil the mic or he will mess you up. He will false prophesy things in your life. And you've been false prophesied to um, in many areas of your life. So we talked about how to deal with that. Then last week we said when God wants to do something, something that shows up is punks show up. Punks will show up. They try to stand between you and where God wants to take you and what God wants to do. So we looked at a punk named Goliath last week, and I said, if you change the narrative and realize that you're not David, but Jesus actually represents David, and Jesus is a giant slayer, and he will make a way. And, and, and I said that um, you need to keep the image before you of David holding up the decapitated head of the giant. You need to keep, I know that's a weird image, but you need to keep before you the image that Jesus has slain those giants that are in your way. So what I want to talk about this morning is the pinch of predicaments. Everybody say predicament. I looked that word up for you. A predicament is an unpleasant, difficult, perplexing, and trying situation. Let me say that again. A predicament is an unpleasant, difficult, perplexing, and trying situation. How many have ever been in a predicament? <clears throat> Let me ask you another question. How many of you ever have been in a predicament uh, because you did something wrong or stupid. Um, I was thinking about this. So several years ago, I, uh, I went to school in Indiana to, to, to play football my freshman year of college. And there was this discussion one night in the dorm that outside uh, the area where, where the campus was, there was this place called Camp Chesterfield. And it was a community of Satanists. And... Um, they said, you can drive in, drive through, um, and, and drive out. There's just one thing they said, if you ever see a black car, you need to get out. Well, that was a reason to go, right? So I, I loaded up my little silver 
tempo. Y'all remember tempo? So it was a little car. I had a little five-speed tempo, and we packed everybody in there. So we're going to drive through this Satanist community. Um, we go driving in, and it was a literal community of, of Satanists. It was fenced in. The gate was open. We drive in, and of course, you know, your adrenaline's built up. You're thinking all kinds of things, and we're driving along, and it, it was a very strange place. On the houses, were, there were different signs, and some of them would be someone's name, and it would say, doctor of the dead, worshiper of evil, just weird stuff. And so we're driving around and drove to the back of this little community, and I'm sure this was just a story, but supposedly that's where the sacrifices happened. And so you're not supposed to drive back there, so I said, let's just drive back there real quick. So we drive back there, drive by it, and as we start to make a turnaround, here came the black car. Total black car, black tinted windows, dark, no markings on it. It comes flying in. So what do you do when you're in a Satanist community and the black car comes flying in at you? You punch it, right? So we took off. We flew out the front gate of this community. Um, it's chasing me now. So somehow in this chase, I run like two or three stop signs and a stoplight. And I'm a, probably a mile and a half into this thing and with, you know, Satan chasing me in his blacked out Monte Carlo. And all of a sudden, these lights come on in a grill, red and blue lights. And he cuts me off in a turn and another cop comes and they run me off the road into this turn in this, this, this field. So what do you do when you get ran off the road by the devil in a black Monte Carlo? You jump out, right? Well... I didn't realize it, but inside the Black Monte Carlo was an off-duty cop that spent extra time patrolling the Satan community. Well, you don't jump out of the car. You all have seen cops, right? The first thing you do is you wait, you give them your license. But I didn't know it was a cop. So I jump out of the car. So I'm bent over the car, hands behind me, frisking me. You ever done something stupid to get you into a predicament? That was my predicament. <laughs> um, long story short, um, he, it was a cop. He chased me for a mile and a half. I didn't know it was a cop or I wouldn't have ran from him. I thought it was the devil, right? So <laughs> anyways, I show up at court. He doesn't show up. I had to pay a court fine, but, but I, I wouldn't have ran except for I was in a predicament because I was in the Satanist community. Now, sometimes we do things <laughs> that get us into predicaments. That, that, that's... That's not what I want to talk about this morning. I, I really want to talk about what happens when you're doing everything right and you still end up in a predicament. So let's talk about that this morning. And I want to give a story context. It's going to be a familiar story. Because it's a familiar story, don't, don't fast forward to the end just because you know the story. Um, so King Nebuchadnezzar besieges Jerusalem and he plunders many of the images from Jerusalem but as he besieged Jerusalem and defeated Jerusalem, they took most of the smartest, strongest, best-looking young people from Jerusalem back to the Babylonian Empire. The reason why they took them is they, they put them into a program to indoctrinate them into their culture. Sound familiar? So they, they brought them as hostages brought them in and were training up in the ways of their culture. This is where we pick up in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar had made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and put it in the plain of Dor in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So this is 
this is uh, the king who is now calling for everybody to, to um, honor this statue. And the herald shouted out, people of all races and people of all nations and languages, this is the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, you have to bow to the ground and you have to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Anyone who refuses to obey, they will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of all the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race, their nation, their language, they bowed to the ground and they started to worship this statue that the king had set up. So the king says, everyone will worship this statue that I made. You have to worship it. When you hear the music begin, bow and worship or you will be punished. Let's fast forward to verse 12. It says this there, but there are some Jews. These are the Jews that were taken and put into training to be molded into um, Babylonian culture. And there are some Jews, the Bible names a few of them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you put in charge of the province of Babylon, but they pay no attention to you. I love that. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. And they refuse to serve your gods, and they do not worship the gold statue that you set up. So King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, the king said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I put up before you? I'm going to give you one more chance to bow and worship the statue that I have made. When you hear the music, bow. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your God or worship the statue that you set up. So Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace would be heated seven times hotter, and he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. I know you've heard this story for years. You heard this story in um, Sunday school, but I want to pull out some things in this story, and we're talking about the pinch of predicaments, and I want to make this, this, this first point this morning, and it's this, that your convictions will get you into a predicament. Your convictions or your beliefs will often get you into a predicament. I'm not talking about the type of predicament when you do something stupid and you have a consequence. I'm talking about you have a conviction and you're doing everything right and you're standing in truth, but yet you still find yourself into a predicament. And they were doing the right thing and guess what? They still found themselves in the fiery furnace. I want you to know this. Not everybody is as fond or not everyone is as excited when you firmly hold to your persuasions as you are. There is a culture, there is a world around you that is not as supportive of your faith and your beliefs and your convictions as you are. And sometimes your conviction and your stance and the stand that you take and the belief that you stand on and the promises that you stand on, sometimes it will cause you and I to find ourselves in a predicament. 
Not caused because you drove, a black, uh, you drove a car into a Satanist camp and were chased by an unmarked vehicle for two miles and found yourself handcuffed on the back of a police car. Not because you did that, but because you did everything right and yet you still find yourself in a predicament. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we're the redeemed of the Lord. And we teach this and we preach this, that we're redeemed from the curse. But there is nowhere in scripture that says you and I are redeemed from persecution. We're not redeemed from persecution. We're not redeemed from suffering. And when the Bible says, Jesus said, you'll suffer like I suffered, it means you'll suffer persecution. You, 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 You will suffer persecution for your faith and for your conviction and for your stand that you're taking. So, so, so for, for example, um, let, 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 me, let me give you some examples of what this might look like in, in, in our life. Maybe you are a mom and a dad, and you are really concerned about what they may be teaching you, um, some, some theories and some, some tactics and some information that they're giving your child in the public school system. And because you stand up to protect your kids, now you're in a predicament. Now you're in a lawsuit. Now you're on the wrong side of the media. Maybe it's something like that, or, or maybe you're a young person, and you've decided to live your life different than the way culture lives, and because of that, you're shunned by many of your peers. Um, they call it peer pressure, and maybe you're shunned just because you don't go where they go and do what they do, or, 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 or maybe, maybe at work, you're passed up for a position that you deserve because you will only do things with ethics and you will only do things with character um, and everyone else wants to do things shadier. They want to do things the wrong way and you're passed over for a position that maybe you owe and that's a predicament that you have. Or um, maybe because you don't go where some people go and do what some people do, they're not including you in everything and so you feel left out of things. And, and you know, those are, those, are, those are predicaments. Those are lighthearted predicaments in, in the light of some things. But those, those are, there are some people across the world who their, their, their predicament is actually physical persecution because of their faith or because of their beliefs. So wh- whether it's uh, emotional, whether it's um, financial, whether it's physical, Sometimes when you do the right thing, you will find yourself, guess what, in a predicament because of your conviction. And there are going to be choices that we have to make in the light of culture, in the light of the world that we live in today, that we need to stand true in our convictions. If we've ever needed to stand true and stand out, it's the hour that we're living in. It's not popular to be a believer right now, but we need to stand firm in our conviction even if it puts us in a predicament. Because your conviction will get you into a predicament. As parents, you may find yourself in a predicament. As a pastor, we have found ourselves in predicaments because we will only do this the way God wants this done. Um, We have found ourselves in predicaments because we preach faith. I will never forget when we first moved here, hearing reports that other churches were preaching against us because we were preaching faith. And the Bible says faith is the key. I just want to preach you the key. And so we've gone through some things as a church because we will always stand on on the side of what is right, what is ethical. We will only stand on the way on the side of faith. And we will not compromise those things. But it has put us in predicaments with people, with staff members, with, with church attenders, with other. It's put us in predicaments that I didn't like. I like to come out swinging. I'm just going to let y'all in on that. I, I, I'm, 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 I have football flashbacks, and, and, and sometimes that's not the way to respond. 
Thank God for my wife that keeps me in check because I would have tackled a bunch of people already. I've got a record. I just told you about it, right? I was on, I was on Cops. Actually, I don't have a record. I'm just embellishing the story to make you laugh. But um, it, that, that, was, it was, that, that was just a, a, a moment of stupid. But we'll often find ourselves in these predicaments. And have you ever been in one of those predicaments and felt something like this? God, I've done everything right. I've done what the word says. I've stood up for the word. I've stood up for what is right. And I find myself in this predicament. Have you ever had a pity party in the middle of that predicament? I've had a pity party. God, I've preached this right. I've done this right. And still we find ourselves in a predicament. Can I read you a really cool scripture to help you? This is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. It says, but even if you suffer, it's another word for a predicament or a persecution. If you suffer for doing right, look what it says. God says, I'm going to, y'all see that? God says, I'm going to reward you, so don't even fear those threats. You know, the Bible says when you face these trials, count it all what? Joy. Have you ever read that scripture and you got to believe that by faith? How many, that's your first, that's your first response. You're going through it. Thank you, Lord. I'm thankful. Now it's usually like, why? But when you pause for a moment and start calculating and adding it up, the Bible says count it all joy. Because for what you go through in your predicament, your suffering, your persecution, your setback, because of your conviction, God says, I will reward you. It's actually an accounting word that means God will add up what you've gone through. He'll add up your business expenses. He'll add up what it has cost you, and he will reimburse you above and beyond. He will reward you. So your conviction and your decisions and your choices that you make to stand firm in the things of your faith and your beliefs, it may not be popular, but you'll be prized for it. You'll be rewarded for it. You'll be blessed for it in the long run. Now, I don't have the scripture on the screen, but I wrote this down. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 actually says this, the only believers who don't suffer persecution are those who are not living godly. If you're living godly, if you're living with a conviction, you're going to find yourself, guess what, in the pinch of a predicament. Aren't you glad you came this morning? So you would find out that the result of you living and parenting and working and being an employee and, and being a Christ follower, one of the things that you will face is a predicament at some point. Why? Because of your conviction. But God says, I'll reward you for it. Let's read a few more verses in this story. Verse 21 says, so here's what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They tied them up and they threw them into the furnace. So they tied them up, they tied them together, and they threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, their turbans, their robes, and their other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded that such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw these three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were securely tied, and they fell into the roaring flames. So there's going to be a time when your conviction gets you into a predicament. Here's my second life point this morning. 
but your connections will get you through your predicament. Your conviction might get you in, but your connections are what are going to get you through your predicament. They took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were going to throw them in the furnace for their conviction, but they bound them together, and they cranked up the furnace. Hotter than it has been outside. It felt like a furnace lately. They bound them together. They threw them in the furnace. It was so hot that the guards who threw them in, the flames killed them. But what is it that's going to get you through the fire, the predicament? It's going to be you having the right theys in your life, the right connections in your life. Listen to this, this statement. I, I put this in my notes. How well you do in life is determined by who you do life with. How well you actually do in life is going to be determined by who you are doing life with. And I was thinking about this this morning. Can you make it on your own? Can you make it on your own? There's many people that say you, you'll, you can't make it on your own, but you can make it on your own. You can survive on your own. How many have ever watched a story of a survival? Someone lost at sea, someone lost in the wilderness, and you can survive. But you know what you can't do? You cannot thrive. You might just survive, but you cannot thrive. And God did not call you to just survive. He called you to thrive. But for you to thrive and I to thrive, guess what? We have to have the right connections in our lives. He didn't call us to do this on our own. He didn't call us to do this uh, 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 by ourselves. He didn't call us to do this isolated. Because the closest people to us are the people who influence our perspectives, they, they influence our faith, they influence our actions. You've got to encircle yourself with a few people that you know are for you. Because here's, here's what happens. You know, there's difference between faith people and flesh people. Flesh people are going to be there until it's not good for them anymore. But faith people are people who are going to stick the Bible says even closer than blood, even closer than a brother. The Bible says that in the book of Proverbs. And they're there to strengthen us. They're there to encourage us. They're there to protect us. They're there to um, uh, boost us along and, 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 and support us. So you need some faith people. Because flesh people will talk you out of your faith. They'll talk you out of your healing. They'll talk you out of your breakthrough. They'll talk you out of your sanity. How I many know there's a difference between a faith person and a flesh person? There's only so far you can let a flesh person in. Are y'all out there this morning? You need to find you some faith people, two or three people. Two or three faith, they'll stick with you, they'll encourage you. They won't condemn you, but they'll get you through. You can survive or you can thrive. God wants you to thrive. So in your predicament... Your conviction will often get you in a predicament, but it's the connections that you have that will actually get you through your predicament. Listen to this scripture. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two people are better than one. So the Bible is very clear. It's better for you to have some people around you than just you by yourself. They can help each other succeed. You will be more successful if you have the right days around you. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and do what? help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? 
A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and they can conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You know what this, this is? This is a biblical explanation of synergy. Synergy is when you share effort and you, and you share energy and you share production. And the Bible is very clear that one alone cannot succeed. One alone cannot keep warm. One alone cannot do what? They cannot fend off the attacks. But if you have two, two is better than one. And if you have a third, it's a strong branded cord. What's the Bible saying is this. You need to have a faith person and you need to have the Lord involved in your predicament. Now, I was reading about this, those large workhorses. They, they can tie them and a, a workhorse can pull 9,000 pounds. If you yoke another workhorse to them, you would think it would double the results. But they can go from 9,000 pounds to 35,000 pounds, three times as much. If you have a faith person with you and the presence of Christ with you, guess what? You, you have more synergy working on your behalf. You have more energy, more efficiency working for you. So what am I saying is when you get in a predicament, how well you get through is totally dependent on the connections that you have, the faith connections that you have. And you know, you, you, you can come to church every week, you can sit there alone, you can take in the message, you can worship alone, and you can walk out the doors alone. Or you can come to this church, allow yourself to get great connections, and you'll find out when you're in your predicament, that's the people who are going to stick with you. I remember several years ago being in a predicament because we did church right. We had some stuff going on in the church. We were being attacked with different things and all kinds of stuff going on. And I had my moments. God, we're doing this right. Why are we dealing with this? And I remember one particular day, um, I was mowing my yard and I was having my own little pity party. And I actually, I actually said this. I said, God, I, I, I know you're there. And I know you care, but I'm going to quit if I don't hear from somebody. I said that. All of a sudden, my phone lit up. I answered the phone. It broke off. A moment later, my phone lit up. And it was a friend of mine who is a pastor in North Carolina. Actually, he'll be here with us this fall. And he said, man, I'm driving through Charleston, South Carolina. I got a couple more hours to drive. He goes, I just really felt like I was supposed to call you. Now, he knew a little bit of what we were going through, and he goes, I just know I had to call you now. After the phone call was over, I'm like, man, why do I doubt God so much? But you know what? Even though, even though you have God on your side, you still need those connections. Still need those connections. And that's a biblical principle. The Bible said that God created Adam and put Adam in the garden. And every day, God walked with Adam. This is before sin. This is before the effects of sin. This is before the effects of sin and the effects on fellowship with God. And every day, Adam walked with God. But yet, God said, I know Adam needs a partner. He needs someone. So even though in a perfect garden, in a perfect setting, God knew we needed each other. And I just want to encourage you. Make sure you have the right days in your life because I'm telling you, it's what's going to get you through your predicament. 
it, it's, it's the phone call that's going to help you through. It's, it's, it's the moments when you feel like quitting that's going to get you over. It's the moments where you feel like throwing in the towel that's going to break open for you. You need some day. That's why you need to be in church. And you need those connections. You need faith. You need to hear faith. You need to feel faith. And you need to feel that from each other. So you need to make a real commitment to get yourself in that environment. Actually, you know what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10? It says when you see the days of approaching, you need to make sure you're there doing that more and more. And here's what it literally means. Don't let yourself get offended and fall out of connection within the church and fall out, especially when you see the days approaching. It says you need to come and encourage each other and stir each other on and be in his house and be together. I'm not going to say a lot more about that because we're going to do a series on that coming up, but it's the connections in your life, the right connections that will get you through your predicament. Y'all doing all right so far? So what have we said so far? Your convictions might get you in a predicament, but it's your connections that will get you through your predicament. You ready for the third point? Your courage will get you out of your predicament. Your conviction will get you in, your connections will get you through, and your courage will get you out of your predicament. Daniel chapter 3 Um, Let's read some verses. This is where this story gets shout-worthy. So you know the ending, so act like you've never heard this story before, and and just let yourself get happy. Here we go. But suddenly, remember they were thrown in the furnace. They were bound together. Suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement. Now he was in rage. Now he's in amazement. And he exclaimed to his advisors, hey, didn't we um, tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we, we certainly did. And I love this. Nebuchadnezzar said, now he's the king. And he said, uh, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men. And they're unbound, they're walking around in the fire, and they're unharmed. They threw three in, but he sees a fourth. They went in bound. Now they're, un- they're loosed. They went into the flames. They're just walking around in the flames. Unharmed. This is why he was amazed. He said, I saw three go in. But he says, I see a fourth. And the fourth looks like God. You know... Sometimes when you're in the middle of the fire, you don't see the fourth man. But if you could get a different perspective, there's someone else in the fire with you. And Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. And he said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped up out of the fire. Even if you're in the fire... When the fourth man gets involved, you're going to come up and out of the fire. Even if we declared to you that God wants to do something unprecedented and you feel outmanned and you feel outmatched and you found yourself in a, a predicament because you're standing on your faith and if you get the right connections in there with you, you're going to come through that fire and your courage, guess what? Your courage is going to get you not only through the fire, it's going to bring you out of the fire. So, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped up out of the fire. And the high officers and the officials and the governors and the advisors, they crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Courage. Courage is defined as the strength to persevere, to withstand the danger, to withstand the fear, and to withstand the difficulty. Remember, uh, uh, the pinch of a predicament. Predicament is, is, is an unwanted pressure, but courage is the strength to persevere and withstand the danger, the fear, and the difficult. You know what courage is? Courage is faithfully trusting God. It's just faithfully trusting God. And we, we say that. We throw that slogan, I'm just trusting God. But really, when it comes down to it, that's what courage is. It, it, it is in the face of a predicament. Your conviction might get you in it. If you're walking with the right people, they're going to get you through it. But courage is what's going to get you out. Courage is your faith in God. It's your trust in God. And you might go in and feel bound. You might go in and you might, you might sense the flames. You might sense the danger. You might sense the overwhelming presence and pressure around you. But when God gets involved, you can come out unharmed, unsinged, and not even smelling what you went through. But no one wants a predicament. But if you're in the predicament, what is courage? It's your faith. Where's God? Where is God in the middle of your predicament? He is wherever you put him. If your faith and your courage, if you allow it to be stirred and the right connections are keeping you encouraged, where does God show up? God shows up right in the furnace with you. No one wants to be in the furnace, but I'd rather have God in the furnace with me. And he will show up and he will show out and he will show off. Proverbs chapter 29, isn't this good? Verse 25, I love this verse. Actually, I shared this on LifePoint Live a couple weeks ago. Fear and intimidation is a trap that holds you back. It's a trap. See, the furnace, the predicament, things around you might intimidate you, but it's just a trap to hold you back. Now, now, now let's just, just pause. What's our series? Prophets, punks, and predicaments. And I walk up here and I say, God wants to do something unprecedented. It will amaze your critics. It will amaze your enemy. And you're all excited, but, but be prepared because there's going to be a showdown over the miracle in your life. There's going to be a showdown with the enemy, a showdown with your own faith, and a showdown with your God. That's why we have to hear the voice the right prophecies, the word of God speaking to us. That, 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 that's why we can't let the big giants and the punks keep us from where God wants to take us. And that's also why we can't let the predicaments be the place that's permanent for us. You're just passing through the fire. He will get you out the other end. But what fear will do, what intimidation will do, it's gonna keep you in the fire. It's gonna keep you set back. It's gonna keep you held back. It's a trap. But when you place your confidence in the Lord, you will be seated in the high place. Let, let, let me explain this verse. Yeah, yeah, this, this is where we have to have church for a moment, okay? So, so sit up. Don't slump. Don't be in fear. This is the good part, okay? This is the good part. This is about two opposing attitudes in this scripture. We have the fear of man 
and we have our faith in God, or we have fear in man versus trust in God, that's an attitude, that's a disposition that we have. We can be in fear of man, or we can trust God. I want to encourage you, let's go over to this side, let's burn some bridges, and let's just trust the outcome to God. Let's trust God. Because the fear of man is a trap. What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen uh, at the government? What's gonna happen in finance? What's gonna happen if I stand up? What's gonna, you you gotta let that go and trust God. So it's it's two attitudes, and they cause two different feelings. One is intimidation, the other is confidence. One is you can walk around being intimidated, you can walk around and have a, a, a canvas of fear over you, or if you're trusting God, it's gonna produce a confidence. God told me something several years ago when we were walking through that that church attack that we were going through. One day God told me this. I was on the treadmill at the gym and God said, you can do this your way or you can do this my way. And he said, if you do it your way, you are now responsible for the outcome. If you do it my way, I will take the responsibility for the outcome. I've done it my way before. I know the results. I chose to say, God, we're gonna do this your way, and I'm gonna leave the results in your hands. That's trusting God. So those are two attitudes, those are two different feelings, and those are two different results. Fear and intimidation, the Bible says, is a snare and it is a trap. What happens is fear and intimidation will talk you out of your breakthrough, your miracle, your next level, your unprecedented thing that God wants to do, your next phase and your next season. The enemy can't stop you, but he can keep you parked where you're at by fear and intimidation. It's a snare, it's a trap, the Bible says. But the other result is trusting God, is confidence, and the Bible says this, he lifts us up to a high place. Some translations say safety. Here's what that means. When we trust in God, he lifts us us up and makes us inaccessible. He lifts us up and he keeps us above the fray. What God will do is keep you, lift you up above the flames. You might be in the furnace, but he'll keep the flames from destroying you. Come on, that's something to be excited about. If you trust in him, he said, I'm gonna elevate you to the high place. I'm gonna keep you inaccessible from the enemy. You might go through a furnace, but you will not get burned. You will not even smell like smoke when you come out of the other end. Mm, Isn't that good? Let me say this to you. I wrote this down. I'm gonna prophesy this to you, right? All you gotta do is say, I got it, I'll receive it. You're coming up and you're coming out. God's gonna open those doors. You're gonna beat the cancer. You're gonna, the addiction's gonna break. The opportunities are gonna chase you down. Come on. We don't like the predicaments. I don't like them either. Bible says this though, count it all joy. Add it up, God will pay you back. He will reward you. He will bless you. Because you might not like the predicament, but if he gets in the fire with you and you let him in the fire with you, guess what will happen? He'll get you out of it. He will get you out of it. He will get you out of it. Can we all stand? I want to read you a couple scriptures at the end of this. Did someone get something good out of this this morning? So, God's going to do something unprecedented, so awesome. It will amaze your enemies, your critics, 
your opposition, even if you feel outnumbered, outmanned, and outmatched, it's just a setup so God can show up and God can show off. That's worth being excited about. But, but be prepared. Be prepared for the voice of the enemy, for a punk, and maybe some predicaments. But I want you to hear this. Even if we don't like predicaments, you are a different person when you come out of the predicament. You are a better person. You're actually blessed. Actually, there's a scripture toward the end of Revelation that says when you defeat those things, what God does is he, he gives you a, a new level anointing. And you're anointing, you're anointed in the areas that tried to break you. Now you're blessed in those areas. Some of the things we went through as a church, man, I see them coming now. We have victory over them because God's good. But I want you to hear the best thing about all of this. The end of Daniel, it says, so Nebuchadnezzar looked at this situation and he said this, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants that trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship another God. Therefore, this is the king, he's got, about to make a decree. He says, I decree if any person whatever their race, their nation, or language, if they speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're gonna to be t torn, look what this says, from limb to limb, their houses will be uh, turned into heaps of rubble. There's no other God who can rescue like this God. Then the king, then look what the king did. So what's gonna happen is there are people watching, they're gonna take notice that there's only one God that can bring you through a fire like that. There's only one God that can bring you through a situation like that. There's only one God can make a miracle like that. That's, that's the God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and the public will take notice. Now this all started because you, you, you would just stand in your conviction. I'm telling you, if you'll stand in your conviction, keep the right days around you and stay in faith and God's gonna bring you out of it and then people are gonna take notice. The king gave a decree. Look at the last verse, it says this. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. God, what will God do when he brings you up and up? He will promote you to the next level. He will promote you to the next phase. He will promote you to the next phase of glory, the next level of glory. Sometimes you gotta travel through the furnace to get to the next level. You gotta go through the flames sometimes to get to the next level in your life. But it does something in you. It brings the blessing of God. It brings the anointing of God. It brings the glory of God. And it brings the promotion of God into your life. So if you're in the furnace right now, best thing y'all can do is hold on to each other, praise your way through, worship your way through, trust your way through. And God will do something. He'll elevate you and seat you in a high place and you'll come out and God will give, and your test will turn into your miracle or your testimony. Your, your mess will turn into your ministry. Isn't God good? Have, has anyone ever seen God do that? I don't know, has, any, has anyone ever seen God do that? Actually, God's so good sometimes you getting you in a predicament, God still does that. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and he works it to all good. So I wanna encourage you this morning, don't let a false prophet, don't let a punk, and don't let a predicament stop you from the unprecedented thing that God wants to do in your life. Come on, if he's ever done that for you, can you worship him? Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your power. We put our trust, we put our faith in you. Help us, God, to trust you. 
God, help us to see if we're in the middle of the predicament, if we're in the middle of the fire, if we're in the middle of the flames right now, help us to see the fourth man. Help us to see the one who looks like God. Help us to see God. Help us to see. Help us to trust. Now, I'm going to tell you the key to trusting. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask our our, our altar response team that they would come forward. We're going to do a song. And they're just here. If you, if you need someone just to pray for you because you're in the fire right now, maybe you need to make a few adjustments or you just need, to, you need them to pray for you, they're going to be up front. We're going to sing this song together. Here's the key to trusting. The key to trusting. The biblical way to key, the biblical key to trusting, check this out, is focusing on the love of Jesus. Because the fear and the intimidation, you can't reason it away. You can't force it away. Because a lot of people say something like this. They say, well, faith is the opposite of fear. It's actually not accurate. Love is the opposite of fear. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. But if you can, if you can emphasize and you can focus on this fact, how much Jesus loves you, how much God loves you, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear and intimidation. That's what casts it out. You gotta know he loves you so much, he's, he's gonna bring you out without being singed. You, you gotta know he loves you so much, he's gonna break you through. He loves you so much, he's gonna finish what he started. He loves you so much, he died for you. If he died for you, guess what? He, he, he'll propel you through. He will propel you. Look at someone and say, that's truth right there. That is truth, you need to hear that. That's how you trust God, focus on not the setback, not the issue, not the suffering, but the fact that God loves you so much that he's willing to get down in the fire with you. He'll get in the flames with you. He'll walk with you. He'll walk you through. I remember hearing this story one time where um, this lady had her, her little baby, her little son, and he was, he was in the, the, play, the playpen, and he, he wouldn't be quiet. He wanted out, up, 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 he wanted out, and she kept telling him, no, you gotta stay in there. She was doing dinner, and Grandpa was over, and Grandpa kept wanting to take him out, and he said, she kept saying, no, Dad, don't take him out. He needs to learn to stay in there. He needs to stay in there, and all of a sudden, a few minutes later, he stopped crying. She didn't hear anything. She walked back in the room, and Grandpa was in the playpen with him. He said, if I can't get you out, I'm gonna get down in there with you. How I many we serve a God like that? He'll get in the fire with you. And, and that's how you fight. That's how you fight your battles. We're gonna sing this song. I want you to sing it with all your passion. We'll come up and close up in a minute, but please avail yourself to our prayer team. They're spread out up here, up front, and, and they're here, here to, because um, the Bible says there's power in the prayer of agreement. That means when we connect over something, there's power in that. There's always power in prayer, but there's extra power. Remember I said connection? You, you know, your, your, your catalyst to coming out might be the connection you make in this prayer moment right here. Isn't God good?